0: Getting ready for the final shot of the third quarter.
1: It's Temba. Fire that! You're listening to Buzzbeat Radio, your premier Charlotte Hornets show, now broadcasting with your host, Richie and Spencer.
2: All right, welcome back, BuzzBeat listeners, Queen City Hoops readers, and Hornets fans. It is draft week, and we are back for the 29th episode of BuzzBeat Radio, and the 2017 NBA draft is now upon us. Uh, For our new audience on Dash Radio, BuzzBeat is a Charlotte Hornets show where you will get in-depth analysis about all things surrounding the Hornets. Listeners, don't forget that BuzzBeat Radio is a proud member of the almighty baller, Radio Network. Please check out almightyballer.com for other great shows for the rest of the NBA. All right. Today is going to be awesome. Uh, We're back in this episode uh, with great friend of the show, uh, Brian, Geisinger, So sit back, expect us to geek out on all the draft scenarios for the Hornets on Thursday. Uh, we are going to discuss all the hot names that are linked to the Hornets. Uh, this has stayed pretty consistent for the most part, uh, but certainly some things have changed here in the past 48 hours with the draft. As as we work toward towards Thursday night, uh, Luke Kennard, Zach Collins, uh, Knee Frank Nealakina. Do you hear that, Richie? I got it right. Perfect. Did I, perfect. I Gosh, God, it feels good. That's a big burden off my shoulders. Uh, And, of course, our our favorite and and, and Hornets fans' favorite, Donovan Mitchell. So are there trade-up or trade-back possibilities for Charlotte? All this and more, it's coming up. Uh, So, Richie, school's out. So you've been really doing nothing this past week, right, other than draft prep. And I never would have thought I I would have said that. But I should take that back because I actually did tell you that you would come around. You would learn to love the draft. And I think you have. How's it going?
1: Doing good, doing good. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm slowly coming around. I don't think I'll ever reach your level or, or Brian's level in terms of the interest that I have in the college basketball game. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm doing a lot of draft prep this week. It's a, one of the perks to being a teacher. You got the summers off. But you know I've been doing some housework and some yard work too, but you know I, I want to thank you guys for motivating me back in it was a good two months ago before we, when we started talking about the college basketball game and uh, you guys motivated me to get interested into it and I, and I have but again like I said, I won't ever reach your level, but you know it probably is beneficial to care about the draft as a hornets fan like you've always stated. So this year's draft I'm probably more into than I have been in a while or if ever. And you know, I, I have a prospect that I've developed a real crush for, and dare I say, maybe even started that bandwagon. But yes, it, it does feel a little different uh, this year, caring a little bit more about the draft and the prospects.
2: Well, I got to say, my friend, it's been it's been fun to watch you grow. But but in all seriousness, you've done an awesome job uh, carrying a lot of weight for Queen City Hoops and Busby Radio. You've uh, you, you've actually got a really cool promotional um, and some content that I know you kind of let people get a little taste of last week. Uh, with your draft profile. So I, I know you'll, I'm sure you'll talk about that a little later. And we also have a big announcement. Um, it's not breaking news. We, we were pushing everybody towards it last week, but we're going to talk more, uh, later in the show about our draft show, a live draft show on Periscope that we'll have available for all of you on Thursday night. And Richie's really been uh, instrumental, uh, in putting all that together. So big props to you there. All right. So again, joining us, a uh, great friend of the show, and uh i would say the prince of tobacco road is how i'm i'm donning you here brian brian Geisinger, bg are you ready for thursday night
0: uh well first off uh i'm happy to be happy to be the uh, the unofficial prince of of tobacco road here <laughs> uh no i'm i'm stoked for thursday night draft draft season is always fun and uh you know i wish we could actually just go ahead and get to get to thursday night cuz the only thing I'm not crazy about with draft season are some of the some of the silly rumors and misdirection and that and that sort of stuff and 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 then the the corresponding overreaction to everything too. So I'm ready to I'm I'm ready to talk hoops and then see this thing play out uh, Thursday night here. But yeah, everything's good. Everything's good in Raleigh.
2: Awesome. Good to hear, man. All right, mm-hmm. well look, let's um let's jump in here and I wanted to start Uh, With with the trade back scenario um, that has been tossed around, I think, obviously much more than a trade up scenario for Charlotte. But here's why we want to attack it from this angle to start. I mean, Luke Kennard worked out in Charlotte on Sunday, along with Justin Jackson and Bam Adebayo from Kentucky. Um, The team has also hosted players like Terrence Ferguson, Justin Patton, John Collins. So and I'm probably missing some more. But I mean, just mentioning those six names specifically. I think it's probably obvious that the Hornets have it in play to draft in the latter part of the second round, uh, whether that's in the middle uh, or, or later towards the end of the—excuse uh, or excuse me, I said second round. I meant first round, obviously. And all those names I just mentioned are first round uh, later, mid-first round possibilities. Richie, let's start with you. Do you see a scenario out there? I mean, Portland has a lot of picks. There's a few other teams with late first round, multiple first round picks. Is there a scenario out there that maybe interests you if Charlotte was approached? And Rich Cho said in his press conference on Friday that teams have come from the back of the draft offering Charlotte picks in some kind of trade scenario. Richie, where do you kind of stand on this?
1: Now, Rich Cho said a lot of things. He said we could keep the pick, we could trade the pick. You can never really get much out of his press conferences because he kind of talks in circles, which, he, I mean, which is understandable. He's not going to try to uh, let anyone know what his draft plans are. But in terms of any scenarios that I see that would make sense in terms of trading back, I really don't. I used to be all for the trading back you know, even before the lottery came out and all the draft workouts with Portland because they do have three first-round picks kind of in that 15 to 25 range. And I thought it was enticing at the time, uh, but the more I think about it, I feel that there's a, a drop-off after maybe like the 12th, 13th, 14th pick. Um, so I had to ask myself, would it be worth it to drop from the 11th pick and pick up maybe the 15th and the 25th pick And and kind of see how it went from there. I don't know if there's two players in the 15th and 25th um, overall range that I like that much to give up on someone that was going to be available at 11. So I lean towards keeping the pick. uh, And plus, I don't trust the Hornets front office to make a more difficult decision uh, when it feels like when you're farther down in the first round. You know, the prospects are kind of more up in the air. Brian, what are your thoughts on this and trading back?
0: You know it's certainly on the surface it, my my initial just gut is 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 no i would rather not see them do that. Uh, you have uh, a top a top dozen pick in in a draft that I, I thought for the most part was pretty well thought of I feel, I feel like people have recently been kind of turning on this turning on some of the the talent pool in this draft recently, and my thought is get us you know you're as high as you can in the draft and and you know just use that pick to go out and get the the bPA the best player available. But, you know, it has to be brought up when I've when I've joined this podcast in the past. One of the things we've always talked about is how this team needs to add contributors, rotation guys at the least. You know, if the Hornets are doing this, they're going to stay on this arc that they are right now where they're trying to win in the high 40s, maybe get 50 wins, you know, somewhere in the Eastern Conference. Then they need to kind of hit on two first round picks. And right now they've got two of the top 40 selections, give or take a pick there. But if, if you can trade back and get two of the top, like you said, with Portland, you could maybe end up getting two of the top 25 selections because as far as roster mechanics, you don't have a lot out there other than the, the mid-level exception, which is, is certainly not, not cheap these days. But uh, you're, not, you're not sure who all is going to be available or the guys you want to sign, they might not even be there. And the, the biannual exception, too. So I, I think it kind of depends on what they have going out, But if they're going to trade back. But if they think, hey, we can find a way to add two young, cheap assets – uh, on to rookie-scale rookie deals here, I'm certainly intrigued by the possibility, but I think I would prefer them to, to see them keep the pick. But I must say, I think two top 25 picks, is is there certainly is some intrigue to that, and you might be able to find two guys, and one of them could be a, a project-type guy that, that you stash for a year, and the other guy could be someone that comes in and contributes uh, right away. But I also think the fact that, we're, we're kind of hitting around this a little bit too, the fact that the guy... That the Hornets seem to be looking at, and a lot of fans are interested now. You know, might be available at 11. Then why why trade why trade out of that too? So I think there's a couple different ways they can play it. But I would say for now, uh, hang on to the top 11 pick, the number 11 pick. Even though I do think there is some intrigue by by being able to bank another another first round pick.
2: You know, I I do think it's interesting. I mean, I think the Portland you know, the 15th pick they have and the 20th pick they have, it, it's intriguing if they are indeed one of the teams that's knocked on Charlotte's door and said, hey, what do you think about 11 for, for 15 and 20? I think it's interesting for a few reasons. I mean, I mean the main reason is, again, like Brian pointed out, the roster mechanics and how, how Charlotte is strapped, it, it really, what they can do to improve this roster and, and really get to 15 guys without getting to the tax. I mean, if they pick up Sessions' deal, which we're all hoping they don't do, but they might not have a choice if they can't get uh, a solid backup point guard to, to play some minutes, and then they use the biannual and they use the mid-level uh, on top of this rookie contract at 11, they're right up against the tax. I mean, they're they're literally right there, which is hard to wrap your mind around. But you know, I think if you if some kind of situation where it's like a two for one, you, you trade back, you draft a guy at 15 and 20. So really you get two contracts. I don't know how you're going to find two players. that can get on the court right away with that, but that's the front office's job. It is a much cheaper proposition than picking up sessions option, you know, and and then maybe you don't have to go use the biannual or you can use just part of the mid level. And now you're, you know, you're getting away from the tax and getting yourself, giving yourself a little bit more flexibility. The Hornets also have some, uh, some non-guaranteed deals that they got to make a decision on here before June 30th. But yeah, I, I, it's definitely in play. I would say that I, I, it's, this is all a chess game though. Like if you're talking to Portland, you have to know who they really have a crush on, right? Like you got to know that. And then you got to link your name to them. Uh, and the Hornets have just shown to not be good with this. I don't show my hand while trying to find yours uh, game leading up to the draft. I mean, there's literally not one situation you can point to and be like, man, rich Joe really, really handled this the right way. So it's hard to see anything happening. I think they hold on to the eleven pick. And yeah, I, I stick with the opinion with a lot of you guys and a lot of fans that Donovan Mitchell is the best is the best situation. And, and we're definitely going to talk about him uh, a little bit more later in the show. So a good segue from that to to a draft tiers conversation is kind of where I want to go next. Um this changes a little bit. Boston and Philadelphia. Uh, obviously made a big splash leading up to the draft, is they're going to swap the number one and three picks. Uh, Philadelphia is also sending Boston uh, two other future first-round picks with all kinds of uh, protections on them. Um, So there's a lot of movement ahead of where the Hornets are going to draft. There's rumors of maybe a third team being involved in this trade still. It appears that's probably not the case now. But everyone's saying, hey, these guys aren't done dealing before Thursday night. You got to wonder how do the Hornets fit into that? They probably don't, but let's talk about draft tiers, okay? These players' heads are probably spinning right now with all this movement between teams and where they're picking. I'm going to tell you guys how I've kind of got my top 14 uh, players tiered off. So I've got, and then then I'm going to toss it to, let's go to Brian first, then we'll go to Richie. I've got Fultz actually in in, in a place of his own. Um, I think he's a player in his own world right now. I think he's clearly the number one pick in this draft. And I think the deal uh, that you saw late last week kind of proved that to be true. Um, I got Lonzo ball, Justin Jackson, Fox Tatum, Jonathan Isaac, and Dennis Smith jr. In my second tier. Um, And the only surprise there would probably be Dennis Smith. I I just, the more this process goes along, I think his athleticism and Brian, you did a great job in convincing me of this uh, with your piece. His athleticism is just something that, you just can't – I mean, there's no other athletes really in this draft at his size, at his position, uh, and I think it's going to translate. Athleticism translates to the to the highest uh, level of basketball in the world, and I, I just think Smith has never really been coached like he's going to be in the NBA. So I, I'm putting him in that second tier. And then the third tier, uh, I've got Monk, Zach Collins, Donovan Mitchell, and, and Frank N- uh, Nilekina. I said it right again, Richie. Look at that. Um, so <laughs> – that last that last tier, I, I think, is where, you know, we'll probably spend a lot of time talking about these guys uh, later in the show. I mean, I think that there's a chance Monk slips. Uh, I think Zach Collins is, is there if the Hornets like him. Donovan Mitchell, I think he's there at 11 for sure. And all of a sudden it's looking like Neil Kina uh, might even be slipping back to the end of the lottery with some stuff that's come out here recently. So that's kind of my top 14 um, in this draft class. Brian, how do you how do you rate these players?
0: Yeah, so I did this. I did this similar, but uh, a little different. I made it a little more centric to to the Hornets specifically, and how and how they might be, how they could, how Draft Night could unfold for them too. So uh, in, this, in a little bit of a similar fashion, uh, my 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 first tier uh, is kind of the same guys you see projected as the top five picks right now, with Fultz, you know, head, you know kind of head and shoulders above the rest, followed by Lonzo Ball. Josh Jackson, Jason Tatum, and uh, Deer and Fox. I, I got him up there, but uh, I'm I'm curious. Fox will, Fox is going to be an interesting interesting study uh, next season in the NBA as far as uh far as that that lack of a jump shot can take him, and if he can really add accuracy and range to it, that'll that'll be interesting. Um, the second tier is kind. of – I was kind of labeling these guys. You know, I would be pretty excited if one of these dudes fell to Charlotte at uh at eleven and it's unlikely that that would happen but that of this group Jonathan Isaac uh Malik Monk Dennis Smith Jr and uh and Frank Nielakina. I'll call him French Frank because I'm not as uh as well versed in the francophone languages here as uh Spencer is so i've got those guys kind of uh in that in that kind of the back half of my top 10 top 12 third, the third tier was guys i was looking at that hey if Charlotte gets if Charlotte sticks at 11 and gets one of these guys like, we've got to – we should probably – you know, there's going, to be, there's going to be red flags or concerns with maybe with some of them. But for the most part, we should feel like we did okay draft night. Um, so Donovan Mitchell, Luke Kennard, uh, Zach Collins, and, um, and I, know, I know Spencer, this isn't exactly your boy here, but and I realize defense is a concern. But uh, Lowry Markkinen, uh, I'm also going to lump him into this third tier. Then the fourth tier was kind of guys where I was like, if we trade back – or I shouldn't say we, if Charlotte trades back closer to the middle of the first round and gets that 15th pick from Portland. You know, who might be some guys that they would be interested in? And in I kind of broke this down into two categories. One is a guy that you could plug and chug because I think they need, a, they need a player on the wing, two way guy like Justin Jackson. I think he has an obvious ceiling, but I think he adds valuable skills at positions of need and could help right away. And then the second part of that fourth tier was project type big men. And so, some of the guys that we've seen work out with the Hornets, or that you guys have previewed, or, or I've come and helped pitched in at, at Queen City Hoops. Uh, Jared Allen from Texas, Justin Patton from Creighton, Bam Adebayo from Kentucky, and Harry Giles from Duke. And then the the fifth tier I was looking at these were this was like a different group of just kind of combo forward types. And these were guys that if the Hornets were were back later in the the first round, so let's say they had the twentieth pick from Portland or the twenty sixth pick from Portland, something like that. Samuel Leger, OG Inanobi, DJ Wilson and Tyler Lydon. I'm not crazy about Leiden, but uh I wanted to throw him into this too. So that's not exactly my top t- not my, my top 20 guys and there's probably some some guys in the middle of the first round I kind I kind of glanced over, but I was trying to rate this certainly from like uh if the, hey the Hornets in anywhere inside the top 25 who are guys they may be looking at and so those are my kind of four and a half five tiers of players
2: completely forgot my my final tiers, Brian started to talk there which is a few guys that you mentioned there Brian I like Giles he's actually in my top 14 I also have Jared Allen there and then Luke Kennard of course it's been discussed a lot um so yeah marking in like you said Brian I mean he's a guy who I think he offers one skill set I mean he for sure he might be the, the best shooter in this draft and at his size that is just so intriguing i understand that there's just so many things that that guy it, it is a huge question mark about how it's going to translate is he ever going to be a, a capable defender at all um and the fact that he's 610 you know 611 make it r- way harder to match him up uh, out there so he's just not he's not in my top 14s close i would put him right in the middle of the first round but yeah, I have him projected somewhere in the middle of the first round. But yeah, Kennard, Allen, and Giles are really my last three that I forgot to mention. Richie, let's hear it from you. Yeah, I didn't get as
1: detailed as you guys did, and I and I kind of centered around the Hornets as well. Tier 4 is is the slot where my my Hornets prospects are. So Tier 1, like you guys have, Markel Fultz at number 1, uh, who's looking like he's going to be a 76er. Uh, definitely a physical point guard uh creator there's not a you know not a whole lot not to like about him he does get a little lackadaisical on defense sometimes but that might be because of the competition and, and who we played for so tier one markel fultz uh in tier two i just got two players uh jackson and lonzo ball i think those players uh could be perennial all-stars uh, i know a lot of people are low on ball but those are in a tier of their own as well so the top three people are in just two tiers Tier three, I do have Markin and Spencer. I, I, the more I watch him, yes, he's he's not going to be a factor on defense. But I'm actually surprised by the way that he plays with the ball in his hands. He's very underrated athletically with the ball in his hands. But tier three, I got Tatum, uh, who I really like. I think is underrated. Dennis Smith, Isaac, De'Aaron Fox, Markin and Monk. So that's players four through nine there and this next tier is kind of the players that we're looking at in the hornets range is tier four uh Neila donovan mitchell zach collins and Kennard. so i have those players 10 through 13 um i don't have like a 14th overall the next tier just kind of groups all the rest of the players from like 15 to 25 to 30 you know those include you know john collins justin jackson TJ Leaf, Jared Allen, some of the players that we've talked about before, OG and Unobi. But that Tier 4, Mitchell, Collins, and Kennard, that's the tier that I think the Hornets fans should be looking at. And if there's anyone from Tier 3 that falls, maybe outside of marketing, which I'm not totally a fan of, but I, I, I've appreciated him more as I've watched him. definitely snag them up. But Tier 4 is kind of where I'm looking at. Nielakina, Mitchell, Collins, and Kennard.
2: So let, let's actually spend a few minutes on marketing because I think he's very interesting. I... You know I've said it for a while. I just think, come draft night, I just first of all, I don't love his fit in Minnesota. um, I know that's where he's been linked a lot, but like I don't think that team needs another guy that's not committed defensively i mean that that's literally what's holding them back right now is they don't want to guard anybody, and they've got tons of offensive weapons but and I understand he's a great fit next to Towns and all that stuff, but I, I just I think a guy that is not going to bring something defensively is not a great fit for them right now because uh, I think they're more ready to win soon than, than maybe some um, realize. And I, I just don't like him there. So if he does fall to eleven in Charlotte, Brian, is this a guy you would go ahead and draft, or are you are you sticking to your guns and saying I'm taking a Donovan Mitchell if he's there?
0: I think I think I'd still prefer Mitchell. I, my thing with with Mark and then is. He can't he can't switch and he can't protect the rim right and so there isn't a lot of room defensively for guys like that out on the floor. Uh, I just don't know really know where you where you put him The the comparison with Ryan Anderson has been one that pops up all the time and and yeah I mean look look what happened to him in the San Antonio series like they they just ran him off the court. Yeah. And I do think Markin and shooting does make him kind of I don't want to say bust proof because anything could happen but. I just think a guy at six six eleven that can that can shoot threes like that. I think at the least there's always a rotation spot for that guy no matter what because he can help you somehow because he he should be able to at least somehow defend big guys plus he can he can make forty percent of his threes or whatever. And Andrew Johnson over at Nylon Calculus projected him out to be, and he this is the, this is the guy that I used to project Dennis Smith's uh, three point shooting uh, his rookie year too. But he, for Markkinen, he had him as a thirty eight percent three point shooter. I mean, if he could, I don't know if he'll be able to hit that as a rookie, but that would be that would be pretty impressive if, if he could. But that would certainly, you know, there's a spot for guys like that out there. I do understand the concerns, though. Minnesota needs a defender, and and I mean, they need. I think Minnesota does need shooting at their forward spots, especially at that kind of like stretch force spot around towns. And and I think Bealika was hurt down the stretch for for the T Wolves this season too. So maybe that's part of why he's he is linked there. That's also probably why. Love occasion, Kevin Love from the, the Cavs occasionally pops up in in trade wins going back to to Minnesota or if the Cavs get frisky this offseason. But no, I think I think I prefer Mitchell over 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 Markkinen and I actually have him uh, tiered just a little bit higher. But I I certainly am intrigued by um, what what Markkinen could add to an offense, especially with a roller like Cody and a pick and roll guy like Kemba Walker.
2: So the, and the most interesting thing to think about is when you think about marketing potentially with the Hornets, it's just, it creates such a weird fit and a little bit of a log jam at the power forward position. I mean, obviously Marvin's the starter, but now you've got Frank and you've got marketing, unless you've completely convinced yourself that Frank's playing five. So he's just playing backup minutes for Zeller. I don't know. Marketing and and
1: Kaminsky could not play on the same court together. Oh my God. That would be awful.
2: There's, there's no way there's there's zero chance that that could work and so if they drafted a guy like marketing i mean seriously and so if they drafted a guy like marketing it it would it would certainly make you think that charlotte had a deal in their back pocket to send frank elsewhere and and you know maybe i'm wrong maybe it's you draft the, the best player available and you figure out the rest later i i go back and forth on how i feel about that strategy but uh, especially with the team that's that's trying to win right away. I just think it's a weird fit. Uh, you know, marketing might end up being a Ryan Anderson one day. Um, that, that certainly is his ceiling. He might end up being that player if he projects on the next level uh, or, or if he sh- shoots it on the next level like he has in college, which is at a pretty incredible rate. But I, I don't know. I, I just And you're right, Richie. He, he likes to face up. He actually can handle the ball a little bit. He, he's got these little – jittery creative crossovers that you kind of don't see common, but he has zero ability to play with his back to the basket. He'll never be able to play center. And like Brian said, he really can't switch so he can only guard one position and that one position. He's not going to be able to guard. Well, I think he's quote unquote guard. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Right. I mean, yeah, that's what, is that, yeah, that's what we want to call it. So, you know, the ceiling is kind of high in terms of what he's going to bring to a team floor spacing wise, but his floor, uh, is pretty low to me. Uh, if he's a zero on the other end, like some are suspecting he might be. All right. So let's, let's kind of, let's turn the other direction here and talk about, is there a possibility that the Hornets could at least pick up the phone and call someone about maybe trading up? Uh, and and this is probably not going to be a situation that comes into play unless a guy Like, let's say they're super excited and and in love with Donovan Mitchell, which I have an inclination that that the team might be. If he's getting a lot of buzz leading up to Thursday at 9 or 10, you know, is Charlotte that desperate to get this guy that they call up? Or do they try to call into maybe the top six or seven? Richie, is there any situation you see or possibility you see for the Hornets to move up in this draft? To be honest, I don't see it happening. If
1: I put money on it, I think they're staying at 11. And and you kind of brought up that scenario. If they're really in love with Mitchell, and uh, I guess they feel like there's another team in the top 10 that's also in love with Mitchell, I don't think they're going to get antsy and and trade up and try to get Mitchell in that situation. I think they're still going to hold and stand pat at 11 and and just draft – the best player available if it happens to be mitchell i think they're going to go that direction but i just think it would require too much in the end for us to to kind of trade up and i and i wouldn't feel confident in doing so because i i mean who would we trade mkg i mean i feel like trading 11 plus mkg to get up into the top 10 to draft a player that we're in love with i, I don't know i just i just think it would require too much for us in the end let's stay put at 11 and I think that's what Rich Cho is going to do. I don't. I don't think he's going to attempt to trade up, even if he's in love with Mitchell or whoever he may be in love with, and he senses that some other team might be in 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 love with him as well. I still think he'll stay put at 11. I don't see any situation in which he does trade up.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'm I'm with Richie on on this one. I just I just don't know what sweeteners they would use to move up. You know they they have their they have their 2017 second round pick. Uh, they have an incoming sec- 2018 second round pick, and it won't really won't be that good. Uh, I think it's going to end up being uh, from the Cavs, I think, and and their 2018 second rounder is headed out to Memphis. You know, obviously they have future picks in, in in 19 and 20, but I just I can't I don't see them including any of those picks, or if they would, it wouldn't be enough to move up. And then, as far as players that you would maybe be okay with them looking to move, like Lamb or Bellinelli, like I just don't think either of those guys moves the needle enough to get you up into the um, in, into the top ten. And, and if that's the case, too, given the team's current goal, like I, I don't know if, if if one of those guys is even expendable. The the rotation is is kind of tight, and they they may need those guys um, to give them minutes at the wing off the off the bench so no nah, i just can't i can't see it, it happening. I guess i wouldn't be totally surprised, but i would i think i think like richie said i I agree with him completely. I think they're going to stick uh at eleven because I just don't think they really have these kind of in between assets you can use that that could maybe bump you up a couple slots in the draft
1: now spencer I love your your scenario. I think it was two episodes ago when we had uh Sean Darenthal, and when you're talking about maybe using m k g to trade back up into the first round, you know use our eleventh pick. And then maybe trade to the back end of the first round. To, to be honest, I, I I think there's more value in that, and I'm not saying it's gonna happen, but I I, I like that scenario
2: a whole lot better. Yeah, no, I mean, I you know, I, I think trading back is more in play, you know, than anything else for the Hornets. Uh, you know, the one situation I was gonna point out. It's just kind of a an observation I've made from just kind of watching who teams have brought in. And, and it, it feels like New York has been linked to a lot of different guys. You know, they love Dennis Smith. And now they're on this canard. I mean, there have been so many names linked with the Knicks. And it's not a huge surprise. I mean, it's a mess there. But, you know, I, I wouldn't be totally shocked if a team like New York wanted to move back uh, in this draft and, and maybe – yeah, just just put feelers out there about how valuable that that eighth pick is. I, I don't think it should have a ton of value, but I think there are some teams, Charlotte being one of those, that could trick themselves into overvaluing a, a top eight pick in this draft um, because of how hell bent they are on winning now and, and making the playoffs. Um, you know, I, I don't have any speculation to who they would draft there, but I do think a guy like MKG. Um, sending mkg swapping eight and 11 with new york that could be in play um you know it's some kind of deal like that and and I, I don't think i would love that scenario but i i do see some seven eight nine some some swap uh possibilities there but that would be contingent on charlotte really liking a guy in that range um and kind of tricking themselves into believe that that that's a more valuable place to be, that much more valuable of a place to be than where they are right now at eleven.
0: And MKG would be an interesting fit in New York too. Like you could like you could play him with with Melo and Porzingis, and it would like, you know, you your your four and five can shoot, and it wouldn't be such a big deal that your three, you know, doesn't doesn't shoot a three point, never shoots three pointers too. Like he. He would make some sense for them and would obviously boost the defense too. But um,
2: yeah, I was gonna, Maybe maybe Phil Jackson would just like ask MKG to just stay back on defense and they would just play 4-on-5 <laughs> <and five> offensively. <laughs> I like it, man. You know? The, I mean, honestly, it, it could the, be a play. It's the reverse of Vivek.
0: You know what I mean? It's the <laughs> right. reverse Vivek. Oh, Listen, man. They're thinking outside the box uh, with the Knicks. I, I'll say this too. I, it would be a sad day if the the New York Knicks of all franchises could prey on the hornets being like a little too hell bent on trying to creep up a little bit higher in the draft and to get like the better better half of a of a of a draft night deal i I don't know if I could deal with uh some of the snarky internet uh humor with regards to that, so let's let's hope that 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 doesn't happen actually
2: now now, and then we can move on but Richie, do you remember? Who we were hot on the trail for yes. early on this draft process, and we thought there's no way we'll ever have a chance to draft this guy. As we've said from the beginning, indeed it has happened. He's lost steam, lost steam, lost steam. He's mocked to the Knicks at eight right now on Draft Express. That is a deal that MKG and 11 to New York for the eighth pick. And if we were able and somehow able to get Malik Monk. Woo! I, I would really like that deal. There, there's a lot of parts of Malik Monk's game that I'm not convinced on. You know, He's a little bit of a one-trick pony, kind of the same steam that and is. But there's, there's there's some kind of moxie to his game that I just think is so rare. I just believe in what he brings on a more consistent level. And I, and I think he can gain weight. I think he can become a better defender. I think he can play in the pick-and-roll some. If the Hornets were able to pull off some magic like that, I would be dancing.
1: See, so, yeah, I would almost hope that he just fell to 11. I, I don't know how comfortable I would feel trading up for Monk. I mean, I like Monk, and we've talked about how, you know, all of his strengths are on the offensive end. He's a quick athlete. You know, he's got deep range. But on the defensive side, you just don't know how many positions he can guard because as of now, I only see him guarding one. You know, he, he's a little frail at, at 197. But, I mean, I have a question for you guys. Who would you trade up for? I mean, taking Fultz and Jackson and Ball off the table, like, to be honest with you, I wouldn't be comfortable trading up for Monk. Uh, I wouldn't be comfortable trading up for De'Aaron Fox for whatever reason if, if we did that. But would you guys feel comfortable? Let's say, I mean, not that this is going to happen, Dennis Smith starts slipping. Would you guys feel comfortable trading up for him? And I know Jonathan Isaac would definitely be someone that, that if he slipped, I would trade up and get him. Jason Tatum, not right. that I feel like he's going to do that, but those those three I would trade up for. Monk, Markinen, Fox, Kennard, Collins, those players I would just not feel comfortable trading up for.
2: All right, all right let's do this. I, I, Richie, I love that. Brian if you could trade up to the Knicks at eight and know you had your pick between Monk and Smith there, who are you drafting?
0: Oh. Oh. Uh, I'm going to take, I'm going to take Dennis Smith, but I do like, I mean, I really like Malik Monk too. And maybe Monk is a better fit on the roster too, just because of, uh, uh because of Kemba. It'd be weird to, it would be interesting to trade up and draft a player that plays the exact same position right. as your current best player in best contract, which is Kemba. It, Richie, I'm actually really glad you brought this up cuz I literally have listed the three players I would feel comfortable trading up for in that like 6 to 10 range, were Dennis Smith, Monk and Isaac. Like those are those are the three guys I I thought like conceivably yeah. that you would you could at least you'd have to at least kick the can or chew on it if the opportunity presented itself. And my thing with Monk too is it's like I fell in love with him in the Carolina game last season when he when he went bonkers against UNC and that was that was the best performance of the college basketball season. Um, you know, I, I do worry about the the height and the length a little bit. I mean, his wingspan checked in at what, like under six four, and I, I generally prefer prefer a little bit of length on the on the wing. But I like his pick and roll possibilities, and I just like guys off the ball that you can use off pin downs, handoffs, flares, like all that stuff. And I think he would be a nice spacing agent uh, around Kemba and Cody pick and roll. So I'm I'm certainly intrigued by the possibility of Monk at eight two, even even if that is kind of a an unlikely scenario and obviously Tatum if he, if he were in that range as well.
2: So, you know, what is super interesting about this conversation we're having is that we're mentioning two guys that, and I think, I think it's more debatable with Dennis Smith, but we're mentioning two guys that can probably play with Kimba, you know, late in games, two guys that fill probably the biggest need for the Hornets, you know, a wing that can score at a high level, gives you athleticism and, and can give you something defensively. But what's so interesting about this is that I think most Hornets fans would agree with you guys. Uh, Oh, my gosh, a chance to trade up and get Monk or Dennis Smith Jr. would be amazing. But then you mention a guy like Luke Kennard who was as efficient as anyone on the wing in college basketball last season. Not not only that, but he's a great shooter and a creator, which you could argue Monk is not, but but fans aren't willing to draft him at 11. That is really interesting. interesting to me. And, but it's, you know, it, it's something that is real. I can't say I totally disagree with it because, you know, Kennard is a guy who I, I don't trust. I mean, if you, you read our piece on Queen City Hoops, Richie and I's piece last week on Queen City Hoops, look, there are things I don't think are going to translate to the next level with Kennard. His little craftiness, you know, getting into the lane, you know, using his pump fakes, using his reverse pivots, you know, all that stuff. I don't know if it's going to work in the NBA, but... He, ha- he has to do
1: that because he's not an athlete, and that that's what Monk is. Monk's the athlete. I think that's why people value trading up for Monk and not Canard, even though both of them on the defensive side have their struggles and liabilities. I think that's where the difference lies, is, is not the fact... Because Canard can shoot lights out. I mean, I think he shot better from three-point land than Markkinen, but... I just think his craftiness doesn't translate. And, and Monk's the athlete that can kind of take over games using his, his athleticism. I mean, that's what I feel. That, that That's the difference in my mind.
2: I think that's fair. Brian, I mean, where would you – how do you narrow the gap on that confusion? I, it's,
0: I, I don't – you know what, man? I'm I'm not entirely sure because I, I think Monk and, and Kennard are similar in a lot of respects. Some of it might just be like a perception kind of thing too and for whatever reason – you know, we, we just – we think of one of these guys as being a higher-end prospect because, you know, he's younger. He comes from the Kentucky system, which is the kingpin of the one-and-done. And, you know, Kennard's a guy who six weeks ago we thought there's a good chance he might – like he might be back in Durham next season too. <laughs> and um and maybe we just don't think Kennard of really – like I would – I think unless you really watch Duke play or, or follow the ACC or – um or or you know you've uh you've you've been like a Hornet draft nut and you've been breaking down YouTube tape or Draft Express tape or whatever you might not even think of Kennard as anything more than a shooter and he really is more than that I I'm I don't really know how he translates as a shot creator for others in the NBA but the, there's more there's a little more to his game but I just think there is there's this perception of oh shooting guard from white shooting guard from Duke okay well like I know what this guy does let me pigeonhole him as strictly just a catch-and-shoot guy. And, and that's maybe not exactly the case with Luke Kennard because he does have a little waggle to his game, too.
2: I mean, there's no question about it. He's far from that. And, uh, again, you could argue he's he's more of a complete player offensively and, um, you know, as good defensively as Monk. I mean, there there is a debate to be had there. And mm-hmm. so, it's, so it's interesting. But, um, all right, well, let's do this. Let, let's transition into a little game we're going to play. We're going to put our GM hats on and, and try to figure out uh, number one, what the Hornets are going to do Thursday night, but also talk uh, more in depth about some of these prospects that they're certainly going to have a chance to draft uh, if they stay at 11. Um, again, Donovan Mitchell, Luke Kennard, Zach Collins, Frank Nelikina, Dennis Smith, If he could potentially fall, Brian, if one of Neil Akina or Dennis Smith, all right, two point guards, Mm -hmm. fall to Charlotte on Thursday night, are you drafting them without any questions asked? Or do you still value a guy like Donovan Mitchell over them? And the second question, is there a name I'm not mentioning that you fully expect to be there at 11 that maybe people aren't thinking about right now?
0: I wish there was some sort of like mysterious secret prospect I had that I that I could toss in here at eleven. Unfortunately, I don't. Uh, I think we're I think the three of us are kind of thinking. If you've been plugged into this stuff, you're probably thinking of having a lot of the same, you know, like almost borderline group thinking sort of group group thinking uh, sort of thoughts. And uh, yeah, so I have you know if DSJ falls to eleven, yeah, I think you have to ask the question because again, you're taking a guy that plays point guard and you know your best player and best contract currently Gemma walker plays point guard too but if he falls to 11 man i'm going best player available and i'm selecting dennis smith and i think this is a guy that is a, is is a is is maybe even a, a top 5 talent and some people at this time a year ago thought he might be the number 1 pick in in the draft so i really covet him as a high high level prospect and and look i, I don't want to like i I love Kevin Walker and I want him to be in Charlotte for the next 12 years or however long or, you know, 10 years, 5 5 years, whatever that is. But, like, if the Hornets ever do decide to get off this thread of, you know, we're going to try to win 46 games and get the sixth seed or whatever that is, like – there ain't a but there's there maybe not isn't a better contract in the NBA to trade than Kemba and and if you had Dennis Smith well then you wouldn't have to go out there and get I'm not even trying to float that as a possibility <laughs> I'm saying as like a as like a doomsday not not even do something less than doomsday then like then all of a sudden you build the franchise you rebuild around Dennis Smith you know and so I'm I just think this is a team that's so needing high level. Uh, young talent and if you can get it locking a guy on on a rookie scale deal for four years uh, man i think it's i'm not trying to i'm definitely not trying to push past kim because he's obviously a, a big part of this team now and for the future but i think you gotta take you gotta pull the trigger with uh with dennis at 11 if he's there but um now like you guys i think donovan mitchell will 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 hopefully be there at 11 i think dennis smith will come off a few picks before that and uh, I would say Donovan Mitchell would be is probably the kind of that equilibrium point of high end prospect and likely to be there that uh, I think everybody would be pretty pleased to see the Hornets go in that direction, too.
1: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. I think if Smith is there, Neil Keen is there, Donovan Mitchell's there. I think you have to go with the best prospect in Smith. And, yeah, we don't want to throw out that idea of trading Kemba, but like Brian said, he has a very good contract, uh, one of the best in the league, and we could possibly potentially build our offense around uh, Dennis Smith. Or uh, even, you know, maybe if Dennis Smith is there, maybe we can field some offers and and drop back maybe a little bit if we're we're not feeling uh, drafting a player at the point guard position. But I actually would draft – Mitchell over Nila Kina. I, I value him a little bit more.
0: And- yeah, I'm, I'm with you too. I'm with you too.
2: You know, I think the team would draft Mitchell over Nila Kina right now. I, I would probably tilt the other way. Um, but you know, I've I've said this many times, just discussing with people on Twitter about this draft. Is I, I just I just think the Hornets have to have some form of thinking about the future as well, which they haven't had uh, in, in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, you know, again, they want to win. Now that's the, the, the <laughs> the direction is, is is obvious for every fan. I mean, this team wants to win now. They want to make the playoffs. They want to move into the Eastern Conference semifinals. I mean, I think that would be the most somewhat realistic goal if they can do a lot of uh, hard work this summer. Um, but, yeah, I think when push comes to shove, I mean, I think Donovan Mitchell, like you guys just said, should be their guy on Thursday night, and I expect him to be there. Um, you know, I think – I think he could climb, potentially. I mean, you never know what Sacramento's going to do. So, you know, he could go there at, at 10. I really don't see him going anywhere ahead of there. I, I just think it's – Dallas is definitely going to take Dennis Smith if he's there. To me, I, I still think Nila Kina is potentially in play there if they're willing to be somewhat patient. Um, you know, again, will Markkinen be in that top 10? Uh, you know, I could see him sliding if he – I could see him sliding back if he does indeed slide back. That pushes somebody up. You know, is it Mitchell? Is it Kennard? Is it Zach Collins? You know, I don't know. We don't know yet. So there's a lot of things to play out. But again, you know, if Mitchell's there, then I think you have to draft him and not think twice about it. You know, we've talked about it plenty. Here's a guy who's going to bring you something on both ends of the court. I think fans... Probably underestimate Mitchell's offensive game, especially his catch and shoot game. I think that's going to immediately transfer to the NBA. I mean, you watch his shooting form, and it is excellent. It's, yeah, it's really one of the best I've seen. And I and I know the numbers don't maybe. I mean,
0: the, the catch and shoot numbers are good, Brian. they're pretty good. No, they're, yeah. they're pretty good. Yeah, um, and like the improvement is insane. So his freshman year, he had fifty five catch and shoot possessions, uh zero point eight points per possession, twenty seven percent field goal rate uh forty percent adjusted field goal percentage, which that that basically adds on you know it's weighted more for three pointers but so here's his sophomore year now one hundred and thirty six catch and shoot possessions a huge i mean almost three times as many possessions, one point one three points per possession, a significant increase thirty eight percent field goal percentage and a fifty six point two adjusted field goal percentage too, which is again that that's adding in for how how good of a three point shooter he's become. And he can shoot off the bounce a little bit too. 36% off the dribble this season. Um which is better than De'Aaron Fox and Dennis Smith, which were around were around uh 30% and it's uh, under Folts and Ball who were at 42 and 49% respectively. And that's kind of why those guys are uh kind of in a league of their own at the top of the class. But yeah, I mean he he can really he got so much better as a shooter um between year 1 and 2 at Louisville. And I think that's actually kind of one of the interesting things too about Mitchell, I don't, I don't want to go off on a, on a huge rant here, but I think he's this kind of interesting combination of a guy that spent the last two seasons playing in the ACC and domestically. That's one of the best training grounds you can have for someone under the age of you know 20, 21. And despite that, like he still has a lot of upside, you know. And I think, I think he's just now starting to kind of figure out, hey, how do I play? Where what's my role as a, a combo guard, a, a shot creator, but a guy that can also catch and shoot and play off the ball too. And so I just think he is this kind of cool, this kind of neat combination between he can he has the opportunity to become a, a much better player, but we we've seen a lot with him already before, and and sometimes these guys, you know, Marcus Smart came back for his second year and it kind of hurt his stock at Oklahoma State, and we didn't have that. The opposite happened this year uh, with with Donovan Mitchell at Louisville. So I think he I think he's an exciting pick, despite the fact that we've seen this guy play. 70 games of high-level college basketball. So I think that's kind of an interesting aspect of, uh, of Mitchell, too.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, Patino handed, you know, the keys to the castle uh, to Donovan Mitchell offensively this past season, and he did well with it. I mean, you know, you look at some shooting numbers, which have been referenced to me from numerous <laughs> folks mm-hmm. a lot, just, you know, his, his offensive efficiency can be questioned, but, you know, when, when your head coach is – basically begging you to to run the offense, not only run the offense, but really be the guy to go get the buckets. In a lot of situations, like Patino asked of Mitchell, you're going to take some bad shots. I mean, and I think that if you watch film of him, extensive film, it's clear. He took a lot of bad shots last year. Now, that's not because, to me, it's necessarily his game. It's because it's what he was asked to do and the jump he was asked to make by his coach this past season offensively. And you're still talking about a team that's a possession away you know, from, from making it what to the sweet 16 or was it the elite eight? I can't even remember the
0: sweet 16. They lost to Michigan when Michigan was at like buzzsaw status. Right.
2: With Uh, Wilson. And yeah, those two bigs, but you know, Uh, right. But I mean, to your point, Brian, like just look at how much more he was asked to do offensively this year and his jump in catch and shoots and just his jump in volume offensively is massive from his freshman year. And, Look, I think he did. I think he did well in terms of efficiency, Um, and I think it's going to translate into the NBA. I mean, look, the offense is going to go through Kemba. It's going to be a beat your head against the wall with pick and rolls involving Kemba Walker. It's not like we're asking Mitchell to come in here and be the second, you know, the secondary creator for this entire team. Mm -hmm. All right, he's still still playing around a guy like Nick Batum who's going to create a lot of offense. I just think he's a perfect fit. And then obviously defensively, I don't know if we need to spend a ton of time talking about that, but. There's a guy in the end who can lock up basically any wing uh, or even the ball, the ball handler uh, that you ask him to do in in crunch minutes. So he's the perfect prospect for the Hornets and what their need is. And I guess we can only hope, fellas, that on Thursday night the Hornets don't overthink this one.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm with you. And and Richie wrote a great, Richie did a great job breaking down his defense in in the the piece that was posted last week on on Quinn City Hoops. I'll just add to this too. Um, you know, I don't put a whole lot of weight on synergies, defended field goal percentage, uh, because I just think there's a lot of noise in there, but guarding the pick and roll this past season at Louisville players, when Mitchell was guarding it, players scored less than 0.5 points per possession. Uh, they shot just 22% against Donovan Mitchell in the pick and roll, like pick and roll ball handlers. And they turned it over 18% of the time, which is an awesome number. So again, I'm not putting a whole lot of weight on that low shooting percentage. But I do like the the high turnover rate uh, when Mitchell is guarding uh, ball handlers in pick and roll action. I think that's an important feature too for the next level.
1: And that's the biggest thing. He he's going to come right in and step in and be able to contribute on the defensive end because he can guard multiple positions. We were going to have no problem with sticking him in there with Kimba and have him play the two and Kimba the one and worry about our defense. I mean, I think that they're undersized, obviously, but his six ten wingspan like brian is is talking about it 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 affects the shots it affects the shots so even though he's 6'3 um his wingspan will affect the shots and he's he weighs 210 as well so he's he's gonna be able to guard some of those small forwards as well maybe not all of them but i would say you know 50 50 maybe i mean i i think that he has the ability to at least switch on to those players at times so that's one thing that we know we're going to get out of him, his defense.
0: And he can fly, too. I mean, the guy, the guy his leaping ability is, is incredible. It's, it's funny. Like I, you always knew he could jump, and then you heard the wingspan feature. And, and now you're like, wow. I mean, this guy has the – he could be just a, a freaky uh, kind of defensive uh, guard in the NBA. So, and, and it would be fun to see in some crunch time offenses with Kemba and Nick. And Donovan Mitchell, three guys that can run a pick-and-roll and shoot and get you a bucket, too. So that, that would be interesting.
2: All right, guys. Well, look, we, let's talk about the second round real quickly before we go. Uh, and the reason I want to spend a few minutes on it is because it sounds like, and Richie made a great point earlier, and I think you're absolutely right, don't read too much into what anything Rich Show said uh, in his press conference on Friday. But he did seem to insinuate that the Hornets uh, could keep this second round pick this year. Um, and I think they should. I mean, they don't have a history of keeping their second round picks, uh, and they're, they're strapped uh, of how they can improve the team in, in uh, free agency. So, you know, you need to, to me, you need to find a player who has a chance to make it to the court next year. Uh, on an unguaranteed deal. I mean, that's that's the best, that's the cheapest contract in the NBA, right there. So I want everyone to kind of give a few names, and I'll start us off here of guys that they hope the Hornets uh, will draft. I actually have gotten the first guy I'm going to mention is actually exactly who I hope the Hornets draft, and I've kind of come on this really, really late. As I started thinking about really what I just said a second ago, the Hornets need to draft a guy in the second round who has a chance to make it to the court right away. Because of how strapped they are uh, in terms of the cap and how they can improve this roster, I don't think that, I almost think they should go for a guy in the second round that is older um, at the, and that you know is a little bit more mature. Uh, and that, you know, obviously there's going to be question marks to to players' games in the second round, but a guy that I look at, that's, he's almost 24 years old. So a lot of people will probably roll their eyes, but physically he's ready to make it onto the court, and this is not ACC bias, okay? Let me just put that on the record. I just believe in his game. Yeah. Um, from, and, and BG probably knows what I'm going to say. I believe in his game from a just a motor standpoint and, and hoping that he can return to really his his, uh, his junior form. And that's Jerron Blossom game from Clemson. I, I think this is a guy who can be a really good wing defender, switch across multiple positions. He was an awesome three-point shooter, uh, almost 45%. Uh, in his junior season, and pl- or I don't know if it's forty. I don't think it was that high. But this past season, he plummeted to almost thirty percent from behind the arc. I mean, it was it was crazy how much the drop was uh, in efficiency from behind the arc that killed his draft stock because so much of his potential is wrapped up. And if he's going to be able to stretch the floor or not, you know, I, I would say he's somewhat similar to a guy like Ojale. I mean, they do different things. Blossom Game's really good at punishing guys around the basket. Mm-hmm. Um, he's super strong, but there's a guy. I don't care how old he is. I actually like that he's 24 years old because I think you're bringing a guy who you can, you know, he's going to have his head on straight. You know that, um, you know he's played in a great conference against really good competition. Uh, he he's been pretty dang efficient and been the best player on that team for a number of years. I think I think Blossom Game is a great pick at 41 for the Hornets and, and someone who could potentially give you spot minutes next season.
0: I'm, I'm with you big time on, on, uh, on blossom game is, you know, his range shooting fell off a cliff this year, but his stroke is fine, right? Like it's not, it's not even a bad, I was talking to after they played at Duke this year, they they lost at the buzzer and I was talking actually to, um, like a league personnel guy. And he was basically like, yeah, you know, he's just not making shots, but the the form isn't broken. He doesn't have a bad looking stroke or anything like that. And obviously, I mean, he's a monster around the hoop. He shot on, you know, in transition, over 77% field goal percentage uh, on cuts, over 75% field goal percentage. And he shot at the rim on non-post-ups about 63%. And he could guard a bunch of positions. Uh, he knows how to defend playing for Brad Vernell at, at Clemson. I'm not crazy about him as a coach, but he does know defense. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on, on Blossom game. I think he'd be a, an interesting selection um, that could could potentially help the team next season with, with pick 41.
2: And I think he's one of the strongest guys in this entire draft. Um, I think there's a lot of physically ready players in this draft, but Blossom game is a beast. Uh, yeah. Brian, you, you've seen him play in person. I mean, this guy, you will not move him. I don't really care who you are. And he mm-hmm. can, you know, I, I think he's a player potentially that, you know, can almost switch in small ball lineups, could like switch on to fives and hold his yeah. own. Uh, i
0: yeah. And he worked he worked out with the Hornets too. he was in Charlotte uh within the last week or so I think as well. So, um I, I think he's an, certainly an inter- would be an interesting fit. And uh and he can fly in, and seriously his junior season he was one of the probably five or six best players in the ACC two seasons ago in 2016.
2: A lot of potential. We'll we'll see what happens with Blossom game and if someone gives him a chance. I mean, this is a guy that draft express has got all, you know, all the way down to the one of the last five picks in the in the draft so it would seem to be a shock to me if he wasn't drafted and again i think at 41 he makes sense for the hornets but uh richie brian any other names that you want to point out before we go i actually haven't done a lot of research on that on that
1: back end in the second the second round just because i don't put much hope into those second round players so i don't really expend too much energy looking at them but no i mean we've kind of mentioned them before with uh dylan brooks and josh hart and now you're mentioning blossom game i I don't know. I don't really have many, many on the top of my head.
0: The uh, I would say those guys. I'd also throw out uh, Devin Robinson, who I brought up when I came on a podcast with you guys mm-hmm. last month, I think, and uh, PJ Dozier out of he's a little bit younger than these other guys out of South Carolina. Uh, and I think I think Brooks is, is a guy that we've all at least hit on at times as the guy that a the guy they could look at at forty one. And um, yeah, no, I think any of those guys could be because it's it's this team's overdue to hit on a second round pick. Is my thought. So, so why not this year and if you could find a guy that could guard a couple of positions or maybe be a 3 and D guy somewhere in the second round, I mean that's a that's a steal that would be cheap. But um it it, it might be we're it's a we're a lot, of, a lot of low probability scenarios. You're just hoping to find the, the best one.
2: Yeah, hey Brian, real quickly in 60 seconds. I wanted to ask you about um we got a question on Queen City Hoops actually. Uh the other day, I just want to go ahead and take an opportunity to address now the guy asked us, you know, why hasn't someone like a Sendarius Thornwell been discussed a little bit more, you know, with the Hornets, you know, with that second-round pick? I mean, here's a guy that was just awesome for a Final Four team in South Carolina yeah. last year, uh, an absolute bulldog in a lot of different areas in terms of his physical toughness and how he approaches the game. You know, why isn't this maybe a guy to you that's been linked to the Hornets more? Is it his outside shot? I mean, what doesn't translate?
0: I'm guessing maybe it's like sort of the streakiness of that outside shot. Like, like it's been really, it's been, it's been good at times. And then you know he has sixty-five, seventy games in the middle of his career where he was, he wasn't a very good three-point shooter. It's kind of funny to see his. He played a ton of games at South Carolina in his career. Was kind of bookended by being a, a good three-point shooter. Thirty-seven uh, percent as a freshman and thirty-nine and a half as a senior. But his sophomore year, twenty-seven percent. His junior year, thirty-three percent. So I would say the fact that he's, you know, he's almost 23 already, and then probably that that streaky outside shot. Um, but he does intrigue me as a potential two-way guy, three and D type guy that you could maybe snag uh, later in the second round. But yeah, that would that would be my thought. Would be the streaky shot and the fact that he'll be 23 when the season starts next year.
2: Yeah, no, I, I would tend to agree with you there. Uh, I think that's I think that's good stuff. And and just you know, kind of to note that the difference between a guy like him. Uh, and a guy like Blossom Game is very simply just the strength uh, in, in defensive switchability. So, well, guys, that's good stuff. We have kind of hit our hit our minute here. We need to start wrapping up. But what I want to do is give it a, give Richie a chance here to talk a little bit about Thursday night. Uh, you're going to hear myself, uh, Richie, and Brian. We're going to have a live draft show that you guys can all watch uh, and join with us on Periscope. And uh, Richie, tell us uh, how you can how you can tune in and find that on Thursday night. Yeah, exactly.
1: So it will be a live draft show. Uh, we'll go We'll go live when the draft starts. I don't know if that's at 7. Like, I don't know if that's when the actual draft start or if that's, like, the pre-coverage. But, yeah, you want to download the Periscope app or you go to periscope.tv and you can watch it on your laptop. Uh, you definitely want to be following us on Twitter at BuzzBeatRadio so you know exactly when we go live. Uh, this is meant to be watched in conjunction with the draft to hear our takes on these names. Now, obviously, the first couple of draft picks we're going to be giving our takes and it won't be very Hornets centric, but we're going to give our Hornets perspective as it gets closer and closer to the 11th pick, which we kind of all expect that's where we're going to be drafting. Um, and we're going to go all the way through the lottery unless something drastic happens with the trade. And you know, with Periscope, it allows you guys to comment, ask questions. So, we want it to be as interactive as possible. And I want to, I want to try to get as many questions and comments in from you guys as possible. And so, when you guys just type it up, we'll, we'll be able to see it live and, and kind of uh, answer it that way. And then, also, I'm going to be putting out a BuzzBeat draft profile booklet uh, through a PDF download, uh, which. I've been working on more for myself, just to kind of give me like a bullet point, uh, strengths and weaknesses of these prospects, but, you know, I'm going to release it to you guys through a PDF, and uh, it's not like the most in-depth by any means, but it's something that's very informative and you can just kind of look at it, get a quick glance at these prospects. So definitely look out for that. It's it's profiles on maybe 15, 16, 17 of the top profiles in this draft. So it should be out probably by Wednesday morning at the latest. So definitely look out for that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Be on the lookout for that. Richie's done a really nice job on that. They're really <laughs> some awesome graphic <laughs> that he's got with uh, in conjunction with these players. It, <laughs> it looks like they're all some version of Burt and Ernie, but it makes it really fun. But no, Richie's done a great job with that and also planning this draft show for Thursday night. And look, we'll be with you guys until whenever the Hornets pick in the first round, uh, if they do end up picking the first round, which we anticipate. But it's going to be fun. Drafts always take a turn that you're not expecting. You know, we'll be reacting to all that live. So look, if you've enjoyed hearing me and Richie and Brian together, in the number of podcasts we've done so far. Make sure you don't miss that on Thursday night. And like Richie said, follow us on Twitter at BuzzbeatRadio. Radio, uh, and we'll be keeping you guys in the loop of you know exactly what time we'll be going live. You know, the links that you'll need, all of the above. So look forward to that. Really pumped about that. Uh, Brian, before we go, remind folks of where they can find you on Twitter, Sports Channel 8. Got a plug, sportschannel 8.com, awesome stuff on North Carolina sports. And then Brian's also a member AC Sports.com. So tell us where you can find your stuff.
0: Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at uh, bgeis underscore bird, B-G-E-I-S underscore bird on Twitter, at the ACC Sports Journal, which is accsports.com, and about 95% of my stuff there is found on the ACC Analytics page, which is my kind of little vertical tab there where I write uh, any sort of kind of numbers, uh, video kind of breakdown sort of stuff for ACC Sports, and I'm going through a series right now, an Inside the Playbook series where I break down... Uh, certain plays that teams run and why they run the plays for these certain players. And uh, it, it, that's been a lot of fun. And of course, Sports Channel 8, follow them at Sports Channel 8 on Twitter and also at SportsChannel8.com. And uh, all kinds of good stuff on North Carolina sports can be found at at that location.
1: All right. Very good, guys. Well, thank you guys for tuning in to episode 29 and we will see you guys next time and definitely for the live draft show.